I am body and soul. Mm -hmm. Like I believe I am body and soul. That's why we believe in the resurrection of the body. Um, these two things are not meant to be separated. That's why death sucks so much. And so how much I show of my soul, it makes sense for that to how much someone knows of my soul makes sense for it to match up with how much they know of my body. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is Veronica Marinin, co-founder of Litany NYC, a women's clothing line with an online storefront that is based in, of course, New York City. Fashion has a lot of really interesting moral dimensions to it. On the production side, you have a lot of unethical labor practices, things like sweatshops. Um, on the consumer end of it, you have um, a tendency towards vanity or covetousness or just this um, you know, acquisition of more, more, more. Um, and then like within the clothing itself, you have this topic of modesty. And Veronica and I have a really interesting conversation about some of the nuances that are sometimes lacking in the broader discussion of modesty. I think there's kind of this tension between like the letter of the law and the spirit of the law when it comes to modesty. A lot of people want to um, make modesty very objective by saying, you know, you can wear this, you can't wear that, this many inches, um, these potty parts have to be covered. And while that makes um, the rules very simple, uh, a lot of people experience it as kind of reductive and, and a bit arbitrary. Um, on the spirit of the law side of things, you often have a greater, more holistic understanding of the human person. You know, we're not just bodies. Um, you know, the body's not reduced to sort of an object of, of lust. But it is really hard to um, give a prescriptive dimension to, to modesty when you tend towards the spirit of the law. I know that we are very much taught to be against any kind of moral relativism. Um, and so I think that leads people to favor a more letter of the law approach to modesty. But when you think about the other virtues, we really don't do that. You know, if you think about temperance, for example, temp nobody says this is the number of drinks you can have or this is how many calories you can eat. We realize that there's a context to these things. You know, everybody has a different body size. You know, people have different caloric needs, depending on what they're, you know, how much they're exercising. You know, what is the occasion? Is there a reason to have a drink? Something like that. Um, you know, or if you think about courage, like courage doesn't have a black and white prescriptive about what you're supposed to do in each situation. It's more of a general principle that's supposed to guide your your choices, um, that you don't avoid something out of fear, Right. Um, and then, of course, prudence is that virtue that helps you decide what virtue it is that you're supposed to use. And so I think in our conversations about modesty, we have to treat it like the other virtues where it's it's a much more holistic guiding principle for your life. It's not this black and white, you know, letter of the law kind of thing. So anyways, it's a it's a landmine. Um, but I think Veronica makes a lot of really interesting points. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Also, this is the second to the last episode of season two. So 
make sure you're following on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and all of that to stay in touch in the interim. Um, I'd love for you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And now here's my conversation with Veronica Marinin. Veronica Marinin is the co-founder and creative director of Litany NYC, an online contemplative clothing line. She studied fashion and entrepreneurship at the Fashion Institute of Technology. Veronica, thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks so much for having me, Mary Rose. It's so good <laughs> to finally see your face. <laughs> yeah. So we were chatting before this and you said that you actually launched this company basically three months before covid took over the world. Um, (laughs) So how was that? How did you survive? I mean, I guess being an online storefront makes it a little easier, but um, did you already have enough items like kind of, you know, with the fabric and ready to go? So yeah, so basically my co-founder knew she was entering religious life October, 2020. Um, and we both had like gotten let off from our jobs, me like a year before her. And then the company she was working at closed down and she was nannying. And I was like, you know, if you wanted to remember that, like a business plan we made in college, like just think about it, like maybe pray about it over Christmas, you know? And she was like, okay, you know, cause then you don't have to like get used to working for someone totally new, knowing you're going to leave. I think right. particularly joining a new company, you kind of feel like, okay, I kind of have to let you think I'm going to be here for a while for you to feel comfortable hiring me, but also I'm not going to be, you know, like it, it can be so weird. So, um, so she prayed about it. She was like, okay, let's do it. So January, 2020, we became an LLC and we had a family member who passed away, who left us some money, which was why we were, oh, wow. Even like, um, even survive like COVID and even survive like just starting up as a clothing company clothing is like one of the most difficult things um particularly if you're doing like full-scale production and full-scale sizing so um because then you have all of this like basically back stock that you have to sell Mm -hmm. um so we kind of got around that by basically working with um different fabric suppliers that we knew in the garment district from our times working in the fashion industry who are wow yeah so they would give us like you know the the wholesale price for the fabric even if we were only getting like five yards oh my um, gosh <laughs> yeah which was nice <laughs> um one of them is named Isaac he's like the sweet grandpa oh um, he's giving me stuff to send to Olivia my co-founder um in the mail but um yeah it's like we basically we already knew we wanted to do made to measure because it just seemed to be a more human approach to fashion and we knew that there was like technology now with pattern making um software where you could make made to measure things um without it taking up the normal amount of time when you're like when someone's drafting a pattern by hand it takes a very long time to make right. made. um and so we knew we wanted to do that and then it just also worked together really well with um starting a small company and trying to save money up front mm-hmm. to do something made to measure because we have the samples for the photo shoot but then when someone places an order, we make it for them. So we don't have this upfront cost of like making a garment before someone has paid for it, which is okay. Us, like, okay. So our scarves are the only thing that we um, have done that with. And we actually started off with like pre-order. So basically the same thing where we had the 
the kind of investment from the customer already. So then we could go and like fulfill the order um, without needing to have like this huge um, inventory. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So were you, did you have previous jobs in the fashion industry before um, you started this line? Yeah. So uh, Olivia worked at um, Zach Poston in production, which was hugely helpful for her to understand the production process and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also interned there in college and then she went to Paris for a semester and kind of like oh. gave me a thing. So they like hired me for the semester she was gone. And so that was as someone who's, I'm not naturally a very precise person. And mm. so being production, that's the whole side of it where they're like, okay, here's the exact length of the zipper mm-hmm. that you're using for the pant. And here's exactly where it goes. That was really helpful for me to understand, um, to like make things more streamlined when we started Litany. Um, and even just like keeping track of like our fabric and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, but we also both worked at like different, I worked at a swimwear company for a little while. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's like, ba- that was based in New York. That was like really small. So I got to be, you know, kind of, there was like a six person team. So you got to see the whole aspect of design to production going to the factories. Mm-hmm. Um, they were super nice too. And like really helpful with asking, like answering any questions I had about how they started. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And then I worked at a hijab company for really, yeah. Yeah. For a little while. And that was, it was so funny. I was not good at administrative tasks. So I got fired, Oh no! but they were so sweet and kind about it. And they were just like, we're such a small company. Like they were getting bigger. They were maybe like a 10 yeah. person point in the office, but they were like, you know, you're the one other person on the design team. And normally you wouldn't have to be like really great at math but mm-hmm. where we are and I was like <laughs> okay and I was like yeah this makes a lot of sense um but I learned so much about what it's like to make clothing for a group of women who really care about their faith but also really care about being beautiful and yeah. uh, and investing in it and and kind of navigating those waters of like beauty understanding your beauty being something that can can draw you close to God because you're recognizing how beautifully he made you and also balancing that out with not becoming vain Mm. and not becoming materialistic um and kind of yeah it was just incredibly valuable to me to like understand yeah from the perspective of a customer who I wasn't already you know right were were you the only non-Muslim like working for the company no they had a lot of um a lot of non-Muslims working there but I was the only one who was like practicing a religious faith oh okay it was very it was very interesting to like have these conversations but also so helpful because they would take their time to pray during the day yeah it would be so comfortable with me just being like okay on my lunch break is it okay if I take a little longer because I want to go to daily mass you know Um, yeah yeah Yeah, that's interesting because I I went to um Catholic University and surprisingly we had a a decent sized Muslim population and so Mm -hmm. there were you know, some accommodations where, you know, they could, you know, step out to do their, their prayers and whatnot, some places set aside for them to do their prayers. And, um, there was an article published about them. And I think the initial angle was to try to like, make it seem like we were a hostile environment to, to the Muslims, <laughs> okay. Okay. you know, like, cause we're a Catholic university, which is like, it's kind of in the name, like it wasn't really a yeah. surprise, you know, but, but they said they felt more comfortable being there because they knew it was a place where religion was at least like appreciated and respected versus if they're at yeah. a secular college, then religion is like much more seen in suspicion. 
Yeah. And that's been my experience too, even like in college, getting close to my Jewish friends who Hmm. were like the amount of conversation that we had about like modesty and um, kind of how our perspectives on it had changed and how our living it out was like becoming a part of our lives as adults. And also just like being a young person who really loves living in New York City yeah. And also loves their faith, you know, yeah, <laughs> very seriously and doesn't think you're silly for doing that. You know, like that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Are you um, a New Yorker by by birth or? I grew up on Long Island. So okay. Okay. He's like maybe two hours away from the city. Um, okay. Very Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear the accent. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I always get that. I say water. Apparently, like someone from like Philly. Yeah. So I always get teased about. I have no clue where it came from. Water, yeah, <laughs> but I, I can I can go in with like the coffee if I need. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. If you need to blend in. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I mean I'm in Maryland, so it's sort of I'm in Southern Maryland, so it's kind of mm-hmm. the South. But my dad's from from North Carolina, and I've noticed that whenever I'm trying to be very polite, I just slip into more of a Southern accent because it just seems like more polite, like more kind, like yeah. Well. Would more friendly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay so this it's interesting because most people have this I guess perception of anything in New York fashion as like cutthroat you know devil wears Prada uh, but it doesn't sound like that was really has been your experience yeah I kind of um and I got a little bit of um pushback from professors for having this approach but even, and I'm, I have ADHD, even before getting diagnosed with this, I kind of understood the way my brain worked and what I needed to be a creative in like a holistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would have students like, you know, lining up around the block to sign up to volunteer for fashion week for free. Yeah. And, and you're, I mean, if you're volunteer for fashion week, you're there like from 6am, maybe even earlier 5am to like 2am the next day, you know, like it's really intense. Um, Unless you're working with a company who really values your time, really cares a lot about everyone involved and all this kind of stuff. And so I kind of just like, didn't go for those things, Um, which I think by the grace of God, didn't end up biting me in the foot because obviously those provide a lot of experience. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just really made the point to have internships with with companies that really seem to care about the people involved like like they would when I was interviewing and they were like okay it's an unpaid internship but we can give you a lunch and a travel stipend do you know what I mean like those kinds of things where um they really cared about my time my energy um and that enabled me to like I I cannot do good creative I I can't be creative when I'm completely burnt out oh no absolutely Um, yeah and so yeah I feel like and some people can't like my one of my friends she's a bridal designer now like Mm -hmm. the stuff she pulled off in college like like I'm talking like 200 handmade flowers, wow. on a ball you know, like, like up all night, like she's, she thrives on that kind of mm. like adrenaline, you know, yeah. and I, I, I can't, like, it's, <laughs> I, I think like, I'm sure that there are parts of the fashion industry that are cutthroat like that. I just kind of like completely avoided that. With sure. Yeah. You know? Um, because yeah, I think, um, if you, I think also knowing that when we started Litany, eventually I knew I would want it to be 
a company that like put the human person's dignity at the center. So I kind of didn't want to learn in the fashion industry from people who weren't already doing Mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you went into college, did you know that your end goal was to start your own clothing line? A little bit. I knew I wanted to do like, I was very, um, what the word is like you know how you get older and your your beliefs get more integrated you know and you're like oh okay truth beauty goodness instead of like here's how many inches your hemline needs yeah. to be from your knee you know right so when I went into college I was very much like oh my gosh like I'm gonna be a little little catholic influencer and mm. the way that <laughs> is not that that's bad but I just had this very like I I think I I saw this like box of femininity and I wanted to live my faith out well and this and the box of femininity meaning like only one like one size fits all of like okay you wear your 1950s style dresses which Mm -hmm. is great that just isn't my personality but I tried to make it that yeah modest fashion and that's gonna be what I'm gonna do which is is still what I'm doing you know um but it it was very like um it was a very regimented and like kind of segmented like, approach to it. And right. then as I went through college and um, I spent a lot of time with the um, Dominican priests at like St. Joseph's in Greenwich Village and the Catholic Center at NYU and stuff. And just like, I mean, Dominican preaching, I mean, my Ugh, gosh. like I know, the, I know. The, <laughs> it's just like this holistic approach to the human person where I was just yeah. like, okay. Like, and then I went to Lourdes and I was like, Ugh. oh, this is like, body and soul are one like it's not just about oh I have to make these rules to make my body fit my faith like my body is me you know like this is good um and like it just it was so it's like I stopped being so preoccupied with what I thought um my my like career journey would be and just kind of meeting Olivia it just kind of naturally unfolded into this like really um yeah peaceful and like creative approach to fashion kind of more like I would imagine a painter would be you know yeah Um, yeah because I I can't I can see now I mean especially just you know with how prolific Instagram is that there is almost this like Catholic aesthetic but it can just be it can just be its own aesthetic just as you have you know sort of like your cottage core is big right now or you know back in like the day like your sort of scene kid or your yeah, yeah whatever yeah. whatever your like fashion music aesthetic is like catholic is just its own aesthetic you know where it's like mm-hmm. modest clothes but it's almost just modest for the sake of being its own like rebellious you know aesthetic like yes you know? yeah 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 of like stick it to the man very us against them right approach. right right yeah we are not of the world but we are in the world you mm-hmm. know and I, I really, the, the most that I, the, the most um, personal, my relationship with my faith has been the most personal, my relationship with God has been, has been the times when I've stopped looking at things from an us versus the world thing yeah. and, and, and instead just curiosity, because, you know, I truly do believe that like the Catholic church is the fullness of truth. And if I believe that, why on earth would I be argumentative about it? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like you don't have to be threatened. You're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, if someone has yeah. a question, you want to be able to defend the faith. But I see right now, especially online, there's just sort of this more like offensive attack, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know, mm-hmm. I like I when you I mean, when I guess when you read the Gospels, you can kind of see that with Jesus, 
you know, conjure the Pharisees, but, but like nobody else heart. really. <laughs> yeah. And he knew their hearts. That's the thing. That's he, a, that is true. <laughs> God, like he immediately knew what they needed to hear. And I'm not God. I don't know the innermost corners of someone's soul. Mm-hmm. And so why on earth would I think that I could give them like, I don't, I don't really believe in quote unquote tough love, you know, mm. especially with people that you don't know well at all. Um, right. I found that like, like I had a, a classmate at FIT just kind of like ask me how it felt to know that God loved me. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't someone that I was like, oh yeah, I'm Catholic by the way. And <laughs> I don't agree with X, Y, Z about your life and blah, blah, right. blah, blah. It was just like, oh, Veronica's like late at FIT was was you weren't 15 minutes early, you know? So it was like, oh, sometimes Veronica's late because she goes to mass beforehand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's things would just naturally come up in conversation. And then it was like this just very curious, gentle asking. And yeah. And it just like, also there are so many, there are as many ways to be Catholic as there are Catholics, you know, that's what there, it's really true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Universal faith, you know? Um, right. If you can go from being like a missionary of foreign country to never leaving the confines of a cloister, like, yeah, that's as much variety as it gets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, you can be Catholic and a scene kid, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. All, all, all of it, um, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Cause you've, you've brought up modesty a couple of times and I have just found that there is no landmine quite like the topic of modesty, you know, where, I mean, so like I taught at a Catholic high school for a while. And so even just having to sort of police the, the, the uniform and, and like the skirt length, like I feel like I tried every approach, you know, you can try it from the approach of like modesty, or you can just try it from the approach of like, this is the rule. And it's very arbitrary as to like, why it's the rule, but it's the rule, you know, and, and people have so many sensitivities to it. And then like, you know, I've been reading a lot of, uh, I don't know, writing from people who are kind of in like a deconstruction phase. And they talk about Mm. how harmful it was to be, you know, harped on about modesty. And, and I don't, I mean, I almost feel like it's one of those topics I don't even want to touch because it's so fraught with like tension, but like, I do believe at the end of the day, there's something important about it, you know? So I don't know. Do you, have you found like, even like a definition of, of modesty that is, is helpful or that like encompasses the totality of, of the virtue? I mean, in terms of like, modesty is a virtue maybe not because it's so much broader but in terms of clothing um and fashion I think the right now where I'm at with it that feels very settled in myself and very peaceful is I am body and soul Mm -hmm. like I believe I am body and soul that's why we believe in the resurrection of the body um these two things are not meant to be separated that's why death sucks so much and so how much I show of my soul, it makes sense for that to how much someone knows of my soul makes sense for it to match up with how much they know of my body. Wow. So like a stranger on the street, I don't know that. I don't know if they're a safe person to mm-hmm. receive my soul. Um, so then that's not someone I'm going to like get changed in front of, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's some place where I'm more mindful of how much of my body I'm showing because it's also my soul, you know? Um, meanwhile, like I'll get changed in front of my little sister. That's a safe relationship to like see like 
a body like hers you know what I mean and like in front of like say like my my best friend you know what I mean like I'm I'm totally comfortable you know getting changed in front of her because I know this relationship is safe you know um I know that this relationship is is a healthy one and this person knows of my soul well and I think that's also why like it would make sense in marriage the person who shares you share your soul with the most of course is going to see your body the most you know um and I just I I I, that's what I found the most helpful because it's reverent and it's not so much focused on external and like worrying that you're getting it wrong because hmm. I think that that's kind of what I've seen and, and from my own experiences and my mom talking about her experiences and stuff like that and like also hearing people like you said deconstructing it's the like oh you you're doing that wrong yeah and that's shameful yeah approach. Like a, okay if in yourself like what is safe what is good what is right what is reverent um and then that just kind of flowing from within. Um, and some people don't like that because it's not a clear delineation. Right, you know, exactly, yeah. Line. yeah. Um, but also I think that it's good that it isn't because it requires a, a personal, like a continual becoming and a personal relationship with God to be able to like exist with a framework that doesn't have a particular rule, you know? Right, which I mean is like, all of the quote unquote rules are supposed to flow from that relationship, you know, yeah. I mean, we often do it backwards. And then exactly. I think, yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you run to this thing where it's like, you can give the appearance of being a very virtuous person because you do follow the externals, you know? Yes. Like meanwhile, your, your mind is so far from a relationship with yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think like, yeah, it's and of course every I think largely people have good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, of course. Honesty, but and and sometimes I'm like, okay, this person doesn't want to have a conversation. Like <laughs> I've gotten some messages being like, you can't really be a Catholic company because you sell pants, and I'm what? like, oh, great, well, <laughs> oh, the pants thing. I just can't I, with the I'm pants. Like, I, mm, oh, all right, like <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're like, well, what about all the men that wore dresses back in the day, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's been my thing with that, is I'm like, Jesus wore a dress, like, if we're going to find masculinity. The priests priests wear a dress, like, every day. Thank you, yes, yes, and it's not, like, I think oftentimes we look to, like, times bygone Mm -hmm. to feel like we're time, like, because we understand that our souls are eternal, and also like our bodies are eternal, you know, with the right. resurrection body. So like, I think sometimes we look to like times gone by, like this approach of looking back to the 1950s mm-hmm. for fashion and being like, oh, this is timeless. Wearing a dress as a woman is timeless because it doesn't feel like the time I'm in. Mm. Um, yeah. But it still is, it still is like time, you know what I mean? And it, it makes sense to me. I don't think it's necessarily bad for someone to want to do that. I think it's more the making it a universal moral truth that everyone else should aspire to like it's it's almost like it's too zoomed in like we need to zoom out um but like anything we wear is tied to the time we're in you know it's it's just a reality (laughs) just can't transcend it in this life yeah i'd like like men were the first to wear heels you know like it's just wait real oh wait yeah yeah like louis like the the king like the french kings or whatever it was to keep their feet in the um 
in the uh, stirrups of the horse. Oh, okay. And they sort of become fancier and fancier and just like to show off your like nice long caps and dwarf heights, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I am. One of the things that has kind of shifted my my belief a little bit is I, I met a woman recently who's a convert to the faith. And she told me when she was a teenager, she just kind of wandered into an Easter vigil service, like because there was a church on the beach or like or sort of on the on the shoreline and she was kind of like what's this crowd outside with like candles and a bonfire let me go see what's happening and she was wearing like a bikini top and like daisy dukes because she had just been at the beach all day and then she just kind of like stayed for the whole service you know and people were like oh do you want a sweater you know she's like i'm fine But I, I just, I like her telling me that story. I was like, that was her first time ever going to a Catholic church. Yeah. And like, can you imagine if someone was like, how dare you show exactly. up? Exactly. Like, yeah. Which I mean, I would be giving someone some weird looks if they were at an Easter yeah, vigil. Of course, because it kind of like it's a swimsuit, but also like, I think, and I think that's the thing is like, objectively, yeah, like it, we don't wear swimsuits in church. And also there's always going to be this subjective experience that goes mm-hmm. outside and that yeah. is a perfect example of that, you know? Yeah. Like and, and like, I, I had another friend who, um, she came into the church, like in, in high school. And I remember, um, her at the Easter vigil, just wearing like a very tight and like very short dress, because that's just kind of like when you're a teenager, that's almost just what a nice dress is. Yes. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like an intention to be provocative, but it's sort of just like, yeah, you go to like the mall and you get a dress and it's just naturally going to not come very close to your knee, you know? Yeah. And you're, and you wear your super high heels and exactly, exactly. Very feminine and beautiful and fancy. Yeah, Right. And, and, you know, you know, maybe from like the outset, it it looked sort of off, but in a way, like, I'm glad that nobody really made a big deal about it because she's really evolved into this incredibly like I don't know. I mean, modest in like the full sense of the term, like Mm. elegant woman, but that was just where she was at the time. Like with like the way the externals, you know, fit with the internal, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that means, but I think, like you said, there has to be this, um, it has to come. Modesty has to come from this internal kind of recognition. Yeah. And I think the, the attitude of like, accusing I think is often very very like it goes through it's the thread that goes through people's experiences with modesty that was hurting them Mm. or just experiences with anything at all and like Satan is the one who's called the accuser you know and and I think to to pull away that um accusatory approach and instead have curiosity is just yeah yeah, really because good. I think it's it's one thing if you are intentionally doing something and then you're you're called out, but yeah, like that, exactly. <laughs> but that feeling of being accused of something when you weren't trying to do anything wrong, yes, it, 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 it's kind of ultimately is a false a false accusation, and that yeah. like really gets to the core of your being because you're like that's not who I am, and also this person isn't safe. And and the and the the experience around them isn't might not be safe for me, and so right. you pull just naturally, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then, just to push back though a little bit on what you said about like you know if somebody's a safe person, you want to you know mm. the more you can reveal your soul to somebody, the more you can reveal your body to them. What about just 
going to the beach, you know, where there's lots of strangers around and you're not going to reveal your soul to them, but you're probably also yeah. going to wear like a full wetsuit, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, and that's where I'm sort of, that's why I'm kind of like, well, this is where my, what I've settled in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like yeah. this is a constant growing and becoming of my understanding of all of it, but also like, yeah, that there are experiences where this is the attire for this place. Um, and it just makes sense to, um, to dress like that for that experience. But maybe that's just because I've grown up wearing a swimsuit sure. when I go, you know what I mean? Or when I go to the beach, it just, it feels comfortable, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's probably why, you know, and, and also maybe it's, it's, it's also expected to sh- share, yeah. like, just show that right. a, a, your body to wear a swimsuit. Um, I mean, in a way I, you could call, you could call more attention to yourself if you're, well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say that, but then also that's an external approach too, that I sure, kind of like, true, maybe yeah. it's been helpful to me at some, at some points, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a tricky thing. Cause like, yeah, context is very relevant, you know, um, you know, when you go to the doctor, that's a context. Yeah, where, exactly. Yeah. You know, they you, don't know your whole soul and your whole life, but they gotta, you know, they gotta, they gotta check you out. And like, I mean, I, you know, in most cases, doctors are very safe people. Um, you know, unfortunately you can't always say hundred percent with anything, but you know, it, it, it like intention context, it, that, I think that's why it's so hard to boil it down to like a precise rule because there's always mm-hmm. going to be exceptional circumstances where it's yeah. like appropriate to do otherwise, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and also like, I think just, just forming our reason is great. And like, most people are pretty reasonable, you know, I think right. we can trust ourselves to like figure out what's, what's good in different scenarios. Like it is very reasonable to wear a swimsuit. It is very reasonable. That's to right. Wear you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's always just a way in which you can do something like you can wear a swimsuit in a way that is more, pro- I guess, provocative than, than yeah, other even ways, you know, yeah. it's very, yeah. it's mean, I don't know. I, one of the things I've noticed with, with women is that like we, when we choose clothes, we're often looking at the pattern and the colors and the style and just like, what is, in the clothing itself and we're not so much thinking about the areas where the clothing's not going to cover you know we're looking at the the mm-hmm. outfit itself whereas yeah. you know some people would say that the the viewer they're not as interested in what you're wearing they're looking at the areas where you're not wearing something yeah which is and that's like totally going to be an unsafe person like you know I yeah. think that I think of that all the time of like um yeah, just people will say oftentimes, oh, well, men's brains are wired in X, Y, Z to like look at women, like the parts of women's women that the clothing isn't covering and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Also like, yeah, maybe their brains are wired like that, but our brains are wired by so many things, including mm-hmm. like the neural pathways that we're constantly using. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're in an abusive relationship, your brain, parts of your brain shrink and grow wow. based on what you're experiencing, the amounts of cortisol that are going through. So like, yeah, maybe a lot of guys' brains are wired that way, but like, maybe it's common, but maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not like primordial, I mm. guess, is is the way that yeah. I'm considering sometimes of like having met people who don't view me that way, who are men, where it's right. not this horrible struggle to like, you know, to, to view me as 
as I view myself. Right. To view as a whole person, even if like your skirt is a little short, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To be able to like chat with a girl in a bikini and it not be like this really difficult thing, you know what I mean? Exactly. To actually be able to see her as a person, I think is a virtue and it's great. And I think, um, yeah, like people who aren't able to do that, I think are capable of it, you know, of growing in that. And also- yeah, maybe not, maybe not the safe people. Right. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's as like women, I don't know, we're very perceptive of things. So like when somebody, like when, when a man, let's say compliments what you're wearing, like you can tell whether it's just a genuine compliment or like a creepy compliment. And it's very hard to explain it, but you can just get, pick up on like little micro I don't know gestures I guess or intonation yes, exactly you know? yeah and I think the the per, the man who I've been um who's really understood me explaining that um is one of my very good friends who's a black man who experiences like racial microaggressions mm. all the time yeah and he's like oh yeah that makes sense to me that something that someone is saying to you that might not come off as a problem to me because I don't have that experience is very real to you. And I can put myself in your shoes and understand it, you know? Right. Um, but like, yeah, you're constantly scanning for like, what is someone's intentions? Is it safe? And like, yeah, just, just knowing men now who are like my friends who are like, oh my gosh, Veronica, the color of those jeans, like that's a great shade of blue. Like that's <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. that could be the compliment of what you're wearing is just wonderful and so right. pure, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of similar to a joke in the sense that like, if you just saw like a comedian's, you know, list of jokes written out, you'd be like, mm-hmm. this isn't funny. Like this is really yeah, Exactly. But the you way know? they deliver it is. The yeah, delivery is- really matters. And same thing with a compliment. Um, or it's also, I think the same thing, the same way when somebody delivers certain, let's say modesty regulations, like you can tell if it's, there's just ways that people say it where you're like, do you have a problem? Yeah. Your, your heart is, your heart is showing. Yeah. You're you're like, you are really obsessive about this. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't anyways, (laughs) it's a landmine, but, um, but I think it's important to talk about, cause like you said, it, it gets to it's ultimately supposed to be at the heart of who we are as people and as embodied persons, we are always reflecting things like realities in a physical way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what you wear does say certain things about you and you want to, but and you want to be in control of the message, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So one of the things that you mentioned about your, your company, uh, at least on your company webpage, is this um, commitment to being like ethical fashion. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? And and how does Litany like actually carry that out? Yeah. So ethical fashion, sometimes people will just look at it as eco-ethical. So like, you know, basically not using dyes that really harm the earth when they go through runoff and stuff like that, not using harsh chemicals, um, maybe using like something like a, a, a fiber like tensile, which is like a really awesome fiber both to wear and it's like, okay for the environment to use. Um, but then there's also this broader expe- expectation with ethical fashion that a lot mm-hmm. more people are starting to have, which is like basically that every person involved in making the garment should be cared for. Hmm. Uh, 
and that that the company has a responsibility to taking care of not only like you know paying the the salary of the person who designs it um but also paying the people who sew it mm-hmm. um if there's a different pattern maker paying that and like paying them fair living wages in an environment that is safe and comfortable for them so like sometimes we will work with factories in the garment district but we're shifting more towards like a seamstress based oh okay really I, I love it and I'm so yeah for it. so much more like long term I want to have a studio where we have a seamstress like okay. salary you know um but when we were starting out and working with factories a lot um we'd go into the garment district and look at the factory and if they didn't have a like a kitchen area I'd be like we're not we're not oh doing wow you know, because if you don't even have a microwave for your employees like right yeah you know yeah okay the workspace might be fine you know and they might it, it maybe it's a little crowded you know but like is there enough light um hmm. you know, like just all these things and even like with factories that we work with that are not local we're very intentional about asking them for the proof of like okay here's the you know um here's the sick leave that our our employees get here's the um like all of the regulations that we follow and that we're in compliance with and they show us that information um and if we can do like a like a virtual walkthrough of the factory also we like to do that um and that's mostly for our scarves and like you can also kind of tell even if you're not local how the like even just in the tone of how they loop people from like the accounting department mm. into email, yeah. you know, like how, how enjoyable of a workspace is this? Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I used to really look at it as just um, everyone being paid fairly. And then there were some factories um, that had like, yeah, just really unsafe working conditions and had collapses. And, mm. and I was just like, okay, yeah, this is a lot bigger. It's like, is there a crack in the wall that they're worried about, you know? Right. Um, and so obviously there's such a small dent that we can make as a small company, but my hope is that like, I mean, also like I'm I'm hopeful for legislation kind of around the world that makes um, ethical fashion something that supports everyone involved in it, you know? But also what what I feel is we have a responsibility in our little corner of the universe and the world to do what is what is good and loving and right everyone in the process. Right. Because I mean, you know, people can talk like moral theologians can talk about like, well, there's it's just remote cooperation with evil. So if you buy something and you know, way back down the line it was made in an unethical way, like you're not guilty of any sort of quote unquote sin. You know, and I would say like, they're probably right. Like these big corporations or these big, like, you know, that are sending tons of orders to these factories with, and knowing that Mm -hmm. there are structural issues there. They're very, you know, like, I wouldn't say someone is like evil for buying something from, I don't know, Shein or whatever. Cause I mean, like, it, well, I mean, there's, and, yeah, there's just so many like layers that it goes. To yes, exactly. To. Yeah. <laughs> and as a fashion company, you kind of have access to more of those layers. And so I think you have a responsibility yeah. for more of those layers. Right. But it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I still don't want to be supported yeah, exactly. that I can, you know, but it's, I mean, it's almost, 
I don't say it's completely impossible, but you either have to do a lot of research or like me, like I try to buy a lot of things secondhand or, or yeah. my, the, actually my favorite thing is to buy secondhand but with the tags on it. So oh, like, yeah. oh, it's not quite secondhand, but you know, yeah. it's just, it's, I mean, I, I listened to like a, a podcast actually recently about just the process of like mining the like the cobalt for the batteries that power our smartphones and like the absolute slave labor involved. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, I already have a yeah, phone. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. throw the phone away because that doesn't really yeah. change anything. But you're like, you, I don't know. I mean, you, you sort of feel like this, this guilt, but you also realize how, how little you can do about it because a lot of these companies they're they want to be so profitable that they can just come up with a PR scheme to like say oh we fixed it it's good everything's okay yes. yeah <laughs> and in the fashion industry we call that greenwashing like H&M mm. does it all the time um and it's really hard to tell what is greenwashing and what isn't even as yeah. a designer even as someone yeah. in the industry and so to expect a consumer to do that is also really a lot right um, and I think like I mean, we have like a price breakdown for our garments on our website for each mm-hmm. one. And so in there we have like everything from how much like the notions cost, which are like buttons, thread, tag, stuff like that, the materials, how much someone's getting paid to make it mm-hmm. um, and what our markup is. So what's the, yeah. the markup we're using to pay my salary and my employee's salary and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think if a company has that a level of transparency like that, that's really good because it allows the the consumer to be kind of more in on all those layers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you think that um, like the high fashion companies, you know, like Gucci, Prada, these where their stuff is just massively expensive. Do you yeah. think that their um, process is any more ethical than like the fast fashion you know forever 21 kind of thing or do you think it's just the markup at the end of the day for like the brand name oh so this I love talking about this because this is such an interesting thing so like these brands usually they have like a wide range of things okay Um, and so they they make a lot of money off their perfume something Mm. like coach they make a lot of money off of their like purses so they do have this side of it that's much more um consumerism consumerist you know what I mean like much more it's not fast fashion but it's much more of like okay we're making something and a lot of people are buying it Mm -hmm. whereas what they put on the runway shows is more of like art and also you're going to have people um you're gonna have stylists pulling things from um these designers to put on celebrities for them to wear and then they're going to send it back you know Mm -hmm. some people like really rich people who we don't even ever see this was the wildest thing about being in the industry that I was just like what like people who are so wildly wealthy and like in such a different world like kind of like the succession hbo show Uh where you live in such a different world that like i don't even see you wearing these clothes and you're not like you're not a celebrity so you're not in paparazzi photos or anything like that right but people are buying these you know um and it's very like socialite circles but i think largely um i think there is value in high fashion from the perspective of art so like mm-hmm. if we see something like a monet we're not gonna be like why on earth is that so expensive yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is this approach to that like it is an art and so it makes sense that it has a lot of value and it's not just that it's an art because of the effort that it took to make it I mean it does in these 
couture ateliers where they're hand sewing everything. They wear like these white lab coats. They have these gloves. Wow. Everything's so carefully made. Wow. Um, you'll have like five women at a time working on a mannequin. Um, and that approach is much more artistic. So there is value added in that, but also just the fact that this idea was something artistic dreamed up in the designer's mind or the design team's mind, and they want to create art. And if the, I don't even want to say the canvas, because it's so much more involved than a canvas, like a person is so much more involved than a, in a garment than a canvas is a painting. Right. But for a human person to be involved in that artwork it's interesting how, because we wear clothing every day, we kind of look at, fa at like high fashion as like not as valuable as, as like a Monet, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, because it's on a human person, but also as Catholics, we understand the value of a human person. So it kind of makes sense for it to almost be more valuable. In right. That sense, the person involved in, in showing this, this artwork. Um, right. I mean, there, there so, is but, a way in which I think though, some of the it, it probably varies but like sometimes models are dehumanized in the way that they are really oh, just living mannequins you know yes and this is this is me like being like this philosophical <laughs> like approach of like what it ought to be what it can right be. right right the the ideas of what this is and how it can be beautiful and then there's like you know people like Karl Lagerfeld who are like you know was a raging racist you know um and you've got you know um you know, th this, this approach of like, yeah, basically using models, like you said, as mannequins and maybe even like the it girl of a campaign, mm -hmm. but because she has the personality or she's acting with the personality that you want her to. Right. You know, works well with you. If she, if she didn't have that personality, if she stood up and advocated for herself because she felt like she needed to, then she'd be a problem, you know? Right, that, right, right, right. <laughs> that makes me icky. Yeah. <laughs> what, so what do you guys, um, do you, mostly use friends for models or do you hire like from an actual agency we've done both so actually for we're having our next shoot may 4th and we actually have hired a model so we use like this um uh i don't even know what to call it like it's not quite an agency but it's more of a um it puts it a little bit more in the model's hands so it's called okay. new book so they basically make a profile and stuff and the company the company itself doesn't take um a percentage of the model's cut until it's like five thousand dollars or whatever the oh, models wow. like less than that for per day so um and they'll have you know like hourly rates and then they'll say this is our rate for the day um and it's great because it kind of makes it so that there's no opportunity to haggle with the model about yeah. their their you know the money that they're making that they deserve to be making um and so we've done that for like our first photo shoot we're doing that for this photo shoot we've also worked with friends for our second and third photo shoots um for the third one with the holy family we really wanted to like take this approach of of family and motherhood and so we had one of my friends who's a young mom come mm -hmm. with her to ones on set um, which was really nice and great and then so there is kind of like this trade-off in both those experiences because with friends you have this very personal relationship with someone and that that like is just so valuable to me and then also with a professional model they like they come and they know what they're doing. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like they, like things that I would never even have thought of, like how to hold your hands. Oh. They're like, like, I don't, you don't have to kind of like 
coach them at all for like pose you know they just like and so we have a lot to take photos of for this shoot and so I'm kind of like okay we need I think we need a a professional yeah yeah I mean it makes sense because you have to have a lot of body awareness you know oh my god and this is why (laughs) dancers make such good models too oh yeah bodies yeah right right even like the facial expressions like you can't have you, I mean, in a way your face has to be either sort of a blank canvas or like you have to know how to tweak your mm-hmm. expressions, you know, so you don't look yeah. like bored or mad emotive, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as difficult as acting. I think huh. maybe, and in some ways I think it might be there are trade-offs, you know, I think in some right. perspectives it's more difficult because you're not, you don't have as much material to work with. You know? Right. <laughs> um, and so you really are like, if someone says like, oh, I want like fall like I want like grungy fall okay you have to suddenly like make a grungy face and how do you do you know um Coco Roca is a model who I she just seems so fun and like Uh she's also and watching her like um social media about modeling is very intriguing to me because she is so emotive Hmm. um, and she kind of like yeah, brings this like personality to modeling that makes you realize just how much is actually involved in it. And also that like, you can't look uncomfortable, but maybe, yeah, it's, yeah. maybe it's really hot, you know? Like- yeah, <laughs> I know that was like one of the, I, I don't know if you ever watched like America's Next Top Model, but it was interesting oh, yeah. <laughs> to watch that just like, because I could look at a, a picture and be like, looks good to me, you know? And they would have yeah. all these very nuanced critiques and you know, and then yeah. you'd see how long the photo shoots lasted and how you have to like hold these uncomfortable positions for a long time. And you're like, okay, there's, there's actually yeah. some skill here. It's not just a pretty face. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And they also, I mean, also the upped ante of it being reality TV and yeah. kind of that it's, it's even more intense. I think just like emotionally for these, for these girls is yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know much about business. I'm not a numbers person either, but like- I am not a math guy either. Yeah. <laughs> That's why but, I took I mean, entrepreneurship. I was like- <laughs> But when I see, when I, when I hear about somebody starting their own company uh, from scratch, I just am like, do you make money? Like, how do you yeah. pay multiple employees? I mean, yeah. you know, I, you don't have to like give, you know, tell us like what your bottom line is and everything, but- Oh, but know, like- <laughs> Yeah, it, been, do you feel like so, it was like did, was it hard to get to a point where you could pay yourself and multiple employees? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Salary? Okay, so that's my thing is everyone else has to get paid. Yeah, um, and we I'm figuring it out as I go is kind of my approach. Um, but I I also like I've gotten more open about this over time, simply from like talking with people who will be like, oh, I think I want to start my own business. Like how on earth did you do it with Whitney? Like, I feel like there's a responsibility to be transparent and be like, it wasn't from scratch. Mm, like yeah. it was tough and sad that someone died. And also right. like how generous of them to, to allow us to do this, yeah. you know, what a huge gift that is. Um, and so I think it's more about like, and some people, they do that with having investors, you know, mm-hmm. some people do that yeah. with taking out loans. Um, and some people, you know, they start with, out of product so they start with a service and that's what makes it possible for them to do it from scratch because they don't have to invest in like a lot of um, equipment so to speak you know but even if you're a photographer I mean you're investing in in cameras and all this kind of stuff um but I think that uh yeah it's it's been um a lot of 
very careful math to mm-hmm. be like, okay, you know, we're, we're able to do this now. Thank God. What a gift. And also like, it, there's a responsibility to really, to, to use this gift. Well, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Be a good steward of what you've been yeah. given. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And to do it in a way that's like very, like that puts the people who are are working for litany first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, ma- like, you know, doing market research, figuring out what their work is valued financially, yeah. see that, you know, like to, if we have interns, like they're either paid or we're giving them a stipend or, mm-hmm. you know, that approach of like, everyone's time and work is valuable. Um, but yeah. And then we also kind of have realized that we didn't plan on doing scarves originally. Like, Oh really? <laughs> I know. Right. So we like <laughs> so, it was so really many like, scarves. <laughs> I know. So we did like our Lord's collection and I, I designed the print for that one. And then Olivia and I were like, I mean, you know, we could just, I wonder if people would want scarves, you know, like yeah. could, if it would be more affordable than the garments. Uh-huh. Some people really want to like support us, but they're like in college, you know, right. Like, right. Small scarf might be a good way to do that. And so we made our small size scarf and people loved it. Oh. And we had a really good friend who's like oh, the most elegant woman I ever have met who was like, oh, do you have it in a bigger size? And we were like, no, but we can make it in a bigger <laughs> size. And then we just were like, okay, we're going to take photos with her scarf before we send it to her and make it available on the website. And that way, if anyone else wants it, they can. Mm. And now people have the big size scarves also. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that became kind of like the the um very easy to fulfill order because with our our garments they're made to measure so it takes more time to get to the yeah customer. yeah the scarves, I have them right there someone orders them I pack them up and they go right out you know right and it's also something that's more accessible to a lot of people it's an accessory you know mm-hmm, they can mm-hmm. start with everything it's really giftable um and yeah. so that product that like still has the essence of what the ethos of litany in it and also is more accessible to more people has been really, really. Because also old ladies, old, elegant, rich ladies love scarves too. Yeah. It's a product that lots of people can enjoy, you know? (laughs) No, I think, I think scarves need to make, like fashion scarves need to make a comeback, you know? It's like, yeah, it can be like the female version of like the necktie, you know, like yes, exactly. And then it's like, and then we have all of these like prints that we, like we have thank you cards that I like to like put a little customer when they make an order and so we can make little thank you cards with like our little prints on them and it being something too that like other people are obviously going to get into the fashion space and like the catholic fashion space too and that's absolutely wonderful and also having something that's entirely our own Mm -hmm. where like someone else can make their own prints too but they're not going to be the same as our prints because you know yeah you know so that's also um it's a space for being artistic that like I love making them so much um yeah okay I'm I'm actually curious like how does how do you get like how do you draw up the design and how does that get on a scarf is it a print like how does that work yeah so we we started out with this um this printer in California named Sanjay, who's absolutely lovely, but doesn't print double-sided and then we had factory reach out to us and was like hey do you want double-sided printing and we were like (laughs) but they have like what's called like a higher minimum order quantity so like we have to order more from them okay than yeah with Sanjay. with Sanjay I can get five scarves from him mm. at a time with these people it's like a hundred per, per okay order. yeah um and so we're like slowly 
sort of going in that direction over time as we gain more customers and more when we're like, okay, people will buy this. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So I have Photoshop on this computer here. It's like mm-hmm. a tablet computer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a little, like a little pen that goes with it. And okay. I saw the flowers and everything on the tablet. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. And then eventually like we work with the factory to make sure that the color printing is matching what I have on my computer. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that'll even look like printing out like something locally that I'm like, okay, this is exactly what we like. And then sending it to the factory wow. um, for them to match. And then, uh, yeah, they, they have like huge fabric printers, all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the most recent one we did is like, oh, if you can tell it's like uh-huh. the background. So yeah. It's first in the resurrection, but the background is like cardiovascular tissue. <gasps> But I like changed Gosh. the colors, not like a copyright free image of like, like <laughs> you know, a little like right. tissue thing. And then I was like, okay, but we don't want it to look like someone's walking around in like a science-y cardiovascular <laughs> thing. So like just recoloring it and painting mm. it and stuff like that. So it was like this trippy, fun thing. Yeah. So yeah, we're playing around with more stuff like that. But um, Yeah. I love that. No, I mean, everything that you, you make it, it just is, it's just beautiful and elegant. Like that's the word that comes to mind is there's just something like, I I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to describe. I mean, you know, elegant really is the word that comes to mind. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways, I would love to continue chatting with you, but I have to go to the right? So, I mean, you know, got to take care of your yeah. teeth. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That sounds important. <laughs> but I, I love what you're doing. I love that there's intentionality behind everything. Like, obviously, there's always going to be intentionality behind the design, but there's intentionality behind the company, behind um, your practices, behind your just your whole motto, I think. I don't know. To, to me, like, that's what, yeah, that's what Catholics should be doing. Like, we don't all have to be theology teachers and, you know, in religious life, it's beautiful, but like, whatever your field is, just take that intentionality and that person focus, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, way, way of operating and yeah. you know, be a lawyer, be a pizza maker. Or, a pizza delivery guy. Yeah. <laughs> or even just, I mean, like, oh my gosh. I mean, you gotta go, but like my, my friend Aaron started this group called Art House 2B here in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's like a collective of Catholic artists. Not all of them are doing faith-based work, Yeah, but, but because they are so in, in such a like loving relationship with God and their art involves something from their person, mm-hmm. it's just imbued with this, like certain something, you know, that just yeah. is so helpable. Um, and I, that's what I, I want is for for people to be drawn in by beauty and to wear one of our garments and remember like their own goodness and yeah. that be the they bring into the world. So they become the sort of conduit for God, not just the clothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Cause there is a way that you can, you know, we didn't get to talk too much about this, but there's a way in which what you wear can be honoring yourself and then honoring your maker. Mm-hmm. And then of course there's a way in which it can be just um, consumerism or look at me, look at me, mm-hmm. look at me. And I don't know. You can almost just like when I look and I look like browse your website, there's, there's just this, you just get a different sense. I don't know how to explain it, but you're like, like when you, like you said a contemplative clothing line, which is kind of a a strange, you know, way to describe something, but you know, there's just beautiful things to admire. Like as you're scrolling, you know, you don't feel like, like when I go on a website, like, uh, 
I don't know. I don't even online shop that much anymore, but I just find myself being like add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, you know, mm. 20 tabs open. So I can like compare like all these different yeah, dresses yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm, it's, it just is, it, it actually almost becomes stressful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I love what you're doing. Um, hopefully we can chat again sometime. But, I would uh, love that so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And enjoy the rest of your day.